Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people, and lead in life. Enjoy the message. Come on, who's ready for Gold Digger Part 2? Amen. I'm excited to be here. I got a great word for you this morning. Who's excited to be in church this morning? Amen. Amen. Got a whole bunch of people ready to hear the word of God today. We're going to be preaching on Mark chapter 10. Who brought their Bible today? Lift it up in the air like you just don't care. Hey, that's good. That's good. It's important to bring your Bible. It's important to read your Bible. Read it on a daily basis. If you don't know where to start, we'll find a Bible reading plan. Uh, There's plenty available online, plenty of places where you can start reading your Bible. If you uh, don't ever read your Bible, hey, you're living your life as a Christian malnourished. Because the Bible says, give me this day my daily bread. And if we're going to be full on the things of God, well, we got to get into the Word of God. Amen. It's important to read. We're going to be starting in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verse 17 on our part two of Gold Digger. And we will start it off as this. This is what it says. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him. Keep in mind, it was not right for men to run during this time period. So he humbled himself and fell on his knees before him. He basically worshiped him. He said, good teacher. He asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Isn't that a question everyone is wondering deep down inside? We're all wondering, what, is it, what do we need to do to get to heaven? What's going to happen after we die? I don't know. I'd hate to get to the other side and find out, though, and not be ready. So that's what he's asking. What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Listen to Jesus' response. He says, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. I've been doing all the right things, yet I still feel unfulfilled. How many of you ever been there before? I've gone all the right things, but I still feel like I still haven't found what I'm looking for. But get this, Jesus' response, he says this, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Isn't that amazing? That Jesus looked at the man, even with his deficiencies and his misunderstanding of what it meant to follow God, he looked at him and loved him. Can I tell you that God's with you in your journey? God's with you. He looked at him and he loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Had great wealth. I got a great word for you today. Who's ready to receive it this morning? Amen. Amen. Hey, turn to your neighbor and say these words. Say, neighbor. Oh, come on. A full participation. Say, neighbor. Show me the money. Show me the money. Show me the money. Show me the money. Amen. Amen. That's what we're talking about today. Show me the money. Let's pray this morning. God, I thank you for your word. Your word is true. It is sharper than a double-edged sword to divide bone and marrow. God, I pray that you would open our eyes to see you today. Open our ears to hear you. 
God, I thank you that you can help me preach a thousand messages. So I proclaim that over this message today, that you would help me speak to every single person, God, and what they're going through and what they need. Holy Spirit, only you know. And I pray that you would return, no, no word spoken out of my mouth would return void. I thank you for the words you've given me. Help me to, to communicate to the best of my ability. We thank you, God. And just right now, church, open up your hands and say these words after me. Say, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Come on, put your hands together for the word of God this morning. Gold digger part two. I'm excited for what God has for you. I hope you're ready. You got your seatbelt. You, you strap it on because we're, uh, we're going on a ride. This is going to be fun today. How many of you guys ever bought a present for a little kid before? If you didn't, your heart is cold as ice. There's nothing about, nothing like buying a present for a kid. Well, yesterday we had uh, my nephew's birthday party. His name's Aiden. And I took uh, my two oldest, Eva and Winston, to a store. And I said, guys, we're going to go buy your cousin a present. Now, for kids, you really have to make it clear. We are not going for you. We are going for you to pick out a present for them. And it didn't take long before I walked in the store and they were saying, Papa, I want this. I want that. And I said, no, 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 hold on. We are buying your cousin a present, and you can pick anything out in the store. The possibilities are endless. But I was like a smart father. I went into five below because I didn't want to throw myself under a bus there. I said, you guys can pick out anything. And they go, anything? I go, anything. You can get your cousin anything. One thing in the entire store. Make sure I clarified that. One thing in the entire store. And Eva, she's five. She goes up to me. She asks this question. She goes, Papa what does he like? Because we all know what we want. We all know what we desire, what we want. But how aware are you of the person next to you, what they want? How aware are you of the person around you and what they want? We're all acutely aware of what we want, we desire. But what about the people around us? What does it look like to live a life that is focused on other people before yourself? And I want to take you back to the story of the rich man. This rich man goes up to Jesus. He goes up to Jesus and he says, good teacher. Now, good teacher, there's significance in that word, good teacher. Jesus replies, why do you call me good? There was no one good but one. Back in that time, you couldn't even call a rabbi good. You couldn't even call the high priest good. The only good person at that time to be called good was God. So he's making a, he's making a distinction that they are one and the same. Good teacher He's basically calling him God. And Jesus is asking back, do you understand what you are saying? And so we here we have a man trying to get eternal life, going to the only one who can give it, but not even knowing what he's asking of the person that can give it. Jesus is saying, do you know what you mean when you call me good? And I want to say this. This is what Jesus was saying. Do you know how close to the truth you really are? Do you know how close to the truth you really are? But here we have a man, he wants to get to heaven. I mean, everyone wants to be in heaven after they die, right? Right? Man, no one wants to go to heaven? All right, let's try that again. I mean, we all want to get to heaven, right? Everyone wants to go to heaven when they die, right? So they go up to Jesus. So he goes up to Jesus and he says, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to get what do I need to do to get? So here I am talking to the only one that can give it, and I ask, what do I need to do to get? 
But keep in mind the context of this. Jesus, this is Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Jesus had just talked about whoever comes to me must be like a child. That's Mark chapter 10, verse 15. Let's pull it up. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Two verses later, this man goes up to Jesus and asks, what do I need to do to get to heaven? What do I need to get this kingdom of God? And he says, anyone that's like a little child, come to me. Well, here he is coming to Jesus, but he's not coming to him like a little child. My children, when I t- brought them to the store, I said, you can get whatever, they wa- whatever you want in the store. Not once did they think how they could afford it. Because they knew that their papa's got them covered. He's rolling, <laughs> according to them. Last week we talked about, I went to Winston. I said, Winston, what's a lot of money? And he goes, $100? I mean, it's a lot of money to him. So he knew that I was providing for him. You know, my kids never have to worry about what they're going to eat. They never even wonder, they never have to worry about if they're going to be able to sleep in the house. They don't have to worry about if they're going to, what they're going to wear. They think, hey, my parents are going to cover me. You go and ask any of them, hey, do you know what you're going to eat? They'll be like, ah, chicky rice. Just want some chicken rice. They don't even question where it's going to come from because they know their parents are going to cover them. They know what they want but they also know who's going to pay for it. So here we have this man. Put this all in context. This man goes up to Jesus trying to get. What must I do to get? And Jesus points out the very thing that's keeping him from obtaining the only thing that he really wants. Jesus is pointing it out. God's not going to let this slip by. God's going to go after the thing that is separating you from him. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, it says this. It says, you shall have no other gods before me. Can I tell you that the man who was seeking God found security and provision within his wealth and not within God. He was serving money more than God. How many of you here were last week? How many of you here were here last week? How would I know if you're lying? Matthew, we talked about Matthew chapter six, verse four, about love God and love money. Uh, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That word money is the word mammon. He's saying you cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is the trust in riches and wealth as your provider. You cannot serve both God and trust in something else to provide for you. That's what Jesus is pointing out here. Within context, you got Matthew chapter 6 talking about Matthew, Mark chapter 10. Jesus is going after the one thing that is keeping the man away from God, and that is his wealth. It is not about the money. Money, money, money. It's not about the price tag or something. Whatever. It goes something like that. He was going after the one thing keeping him from God. Let me ask you today. Is there anything in your life that is off limits to God? Is there anything that is off limits where you say, God, you can have all of me except this relationship. You can have all of me except this thing I like to do on the weeknights. You can have all of me except my wallet. You can have all of me. Is there something, is there anything in your life? Can I tell you, if there's something in your life that is off limits to God, God wants all of you and he will ask for that thing. He always will. And some of us were hesitant. Well, I don't know if I really want to follow God. I mean, that's a natural tendency because it's a, it's a sacrificing of yourself and everything that you have, everything you want, everything that you desire. Jesus said nothing about the man's wealth. What he was talking about was the man's provision. 
He wasn't talking about the money. He was saying, who do you trust? Because right now you trust what this thing can give you. And notice the man went away sad. And what Jesus did not do was follow him or lower the standard of what it meant to follow Jesus. Because to follow Jesus means that I give everything. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's what it means to follow Jesus. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So Jesus doesn't follow him and say, hey, hey, rich, rich, young ruler. Hey, what if we just maybe, maybe, maybe just uh, uh, did just a little bit and you could keep onto your stuff and, and, and then you could come serve me and follow me. What if we did that? Then, then maybe because I'm more about getting you than I am about getting your heart. But Jesus is about the heart. And he doesn't lower the standard. But as a church, what we do, Jesus said nothing about money, but what we do is we make it all about money. Can I tell you today that you are blessed to be a blessing? But what we have is a warped perspective of money and what it brings. And so while I'm talking about it, some of us are kind of holding on to our wallets. I mean, do people carry wallets anymore? It's in their phone now. Maybe I'm a little bit old school. People have cash anymore? I mean, I carry cash too. But if you were here last week, you'd realize I, I don't have a whole lot in my wallet because uh, I don't, it, God, I give it away and stuff. It's not good. <laughs> but we have a war perspective on wealth. Can I tell you that God looks at wealth as a tool for us? And we are called, we are blessed to be a blessing. One of the first verses that points us out in the Bible is Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. It says, I will make you a great nation. God's talking to Abraham. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will make your name great, I will bless you, and you shall be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. Can I tell you, when Jesus walked the earth, he talked, 30% of what he talked about was about money. But in the church, we don't really talk much about it, because it's a tight subject. But I think it's about time that changes. It's a tight subject, and, and if you're not with us, you will be with us by the end. But as a church, we have a, two, two natural inclinations, inclinations to follow, and that's two different mindsets, pride or poverty. Pride or poverty mindset. Actually, I forgot. Um, I need $100. Does anyone have $100 cash they could give me? So, oh, perfect, here. Awesome. Oh, beat you to it. Thanks. Where do you want to go out to lunch? <laughs> Chick-fil-A's closed. Panda Express? Sounds good. Thanks for the generous gift, by the way, Gene. But we have two different mindsets, pride or poverty. And this is what pride says. Pride says this. Pride says wealth comes from hard work. Poverty says wealth comes from the devil. Here's a few other things pride says. Pride says, you should be proud of what you have. This is me. I fall into this. Or you should be, poverty says, you should be ashamed of what you have. Pride goes into a room and when someone asks a question about their outfit, says, hey, that's a great outfit. Where did you get it from? Pride says, oh, it's imported from Europe. It's about 450 bucks this, for this jacket and $300 for this shirt and juicy, Gucci belt, juicy belt, whatever you call it. You don't even see it, but I'm wearing it. Pride gets the illusion that I paid more for it and I could pay more for it. But poverty says this, oh, this jacket, ah, this thing, I got it on sale. You know, it was only like, it was just a little bit. You know, these jeans are used, goodwill. Poverty doesn't take, doesn't take ownership for the good deal you brought, but it tries to, it tries to do, be, be little, be little what you have. So pride tries to get people to think that you paid more for it than what you could. 
Pride, poverty says, well, I didn't really pay this much for what I have. So then you'd be ashamed when you actually do have something nice. And you never really will have anything that is nice because you're always rejecting it from you. Anyways, that's a little bit further. So we, ha we have these two different mindsets, pride and poverty. The PPs of life. But we're called to be grateful and generous. As Christians, we're called to be grateful and generous. Not prideful, but not have a poverty mindset, but to be grateful and to be generous. I know this from 2 Corinthians chapter 7, or chapter 9, verse 7. It says this, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I had someone come up and hand me $100. Some of you are like, what was that all about? He came up, did you see how easy it was for him to come up and hand me that money? What if I told you that before I even started this message, I gave that money to him and I said, hey, during the message, I'm gonna ask for this back. The reason why he was able to come up cheerfully, joyfully, and not reluctantly was because he knew that it ultimately did not belong to him. The reason why he was able to act so willfully is he had a, he knew I gave him the money before and he knew at some point the guy on stage, Pastor Eli is going to say, I need a hundred dollars and I need to be able to bring it to him. What do you do with what God gives you when he asks for 10% of it back? Understand this, there's no grief, no remorse, no remorse or emotional conflict about giving the money that ultimately wasn't his. We do not be selfish with something that is not ours. But how we look at money is, well, this is all mine, and God, you're lucky if you get a little bit of it. But what he's the one that gives you the ability to produce wealth. Do not forget the Lord who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And if he can get it through you, he can get it to you. If he can get you to sometimes just let go, Sometimes just to let go and say, you know what, God, you gave me so much. And if you're asking this from me, you're asking it from me for a reason, for me to be a blessing to someone else. But here, let's, let's, let's just keep going. Let me ask you a question. I feel like we're ready for a good question. Why did God create giving? Why did he create giving? Is the light bill in heaven just a little bit too high? Did OPPD go up to heaven and say, God, we're raising your rates again. Well, you raised my rates last month. Yeah, well, we got to afford for the new building we're building. Maybe that, if you work for OPPD, I love you. Thank you for keeping our lights on. You had a tough time a few weeks ago, so thank you very much. It was just an illustration. Are the light, is the light bill in heavy? Is he running out of gold to pay the streets with? Why did God create giving? Money is just a number to God. Money and giving and generosity is the best way to fight greed and selfishness in our life. I love what Alyssa said. Man, she crushed that offering message, can I tell you? You should have seen her a year and a half ago when we gave her a mic the first time and how she's like, I don't know if this thing is for me. Can I tell you, do not put a period where God is putting a comma and calling you up to different things. Sometimes he prepares you for what he has for you, and sometimes that preparation looks like things you haven't done before. 
And it's uncomfortable when you first step out, but can I tell you, that was, that was a great word, so when you see her, shout her down again. But why did God create giving? It fights selfishness and greed within our lives. And understand today that our attitude towards possessions has a powerful ability to expose the true nature of our hearts. When God asks for it, is it open or is it closed off? When God asks you to give it to someone else, not just him, is it open or is it, well, I worked hard for this. Yes, you did. You did work hard. But if he got it to you before and he's asking for it now, he can get it to you again. It's about creating the conduit. What I've seen as church, though, is that we categorize people, rich and poor. My dad, when he bought his uh, first car, with, he, he wanted to go in and he wanted to buy it with cash. And if you know my dad, I mean, he's pretty well to do with, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't present that on the outside. But he wanted to go into the dealership and he wanted to say, hey, this is the car I want. This is the car I want to get. But he just wore his, you know, his, his work jeans that had tears in them and maybe some caulking on his, his T-shirt and, and his raggedy old boots, walking in, wanting to pay cash for a vehicle to write a check. And they would not give him the time of day because it didn't look like he had any money. And so he ended up going to a different dealership and buying it straight from them right then and there. And what I've seen, though, is that in the world is that we pay attention to people that look like they have money and neglect the people that look poor. But in the church, we pay attention to the people that look poor and neglect the people that have money. We think, oh, you should have sold that house and given it to the poor. Well, Judas said that. You should have sold that perfume and gave it to the poor. How about you sell your house first? You living in the woods, survivor man? But we're quick to say something, but not quick to have it line up with our actions because we judge people out of envy and greed, and we're, end up, we're frustrated with them because they have more than we do. Rather than saying, wow. God is so good. God has blessed you so much. I'm so glad to see God is working in your life. But if you don't have resources, that doesn't mean God isn't working in your life, though, either. It doesn't. But what I'm saying is that as a, as a church, we tend to pay more attention to the person that needs us, that has a poor mindset, than a person that has a rich mindset. And what I've seen that as a, as a, a, as a rich person, it's hard for them to know who their true friends are because they don't know if you're wanting them just for what they can bring and what they can do rather than who they are. What do you see in Hollywood? You see Hollywood paints the bad guy as, the bad person as the rich person, right? The rich business owner is the bad person. Why do we like this? Because it resonates with us because it caters to envy and jealousy within our fallen nature. That's why we like it so much. That's why we're fine with it. But what I found is that people who do well do things God's way. People who are usually doing well financially are usually doing things God's way. And I want to share just a few examples, just a few examples in the Bible that talk about how people do wealth God's way. And that's 1 Samuel chapter 2 is one of the first ones. It says, the Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. What's the next one? 
Proverbs 28, 22, a stingy man hastens after wealth and does not know that poverty will come upon him. It's the man that holds on, doesn't realize that what he's holding on to will eventually fade away and poverty will come upon him. Psalm 39, 6, surely every man walks about like a shadow. Surely they busy themselves in vain. He heaps up riches and does not know who will gather them. In the end, Proverbs 10, verse 6, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. Well, I'm just waiting for my keep. I'm just waiting for my share. Well, get to work. It's not just going to come to you. Hardly anyone was inherited a real estate million dollars. Hardly anyone was given just a million dollars. Most people had to work for it. Now there's far and few between, but most people had to work for it. Proverbs 10, 22, the blessings of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. God blesses the works of your hands when you put it to work. Proverbs eleven twenty five: a generous man will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. A generous person will prosper. And what's the last one we have? 28, 27, whoever gives to the poor will not want. Whoever gives to the poor will not want. What is that want? Is that want a physical thing? What must I do to have eternal life? Well, you realize that when something doesn't have you, God can have all of you. And so you will not want because you know everything else is fleeting and you have all that you need. Understand that wealth is a blessing from God and a product of such. And you have the ability to be rich, whatever that is. What's rich? I could go around this room and I could say, what's rich? Winston would say, $100. And some of you would say, nope, it's $10,000. Well, some of you would say, what? That's ridiculous. It's $100,000. No, no, no. It's $2 million is rich. No, $10 million is rich. What's rich? All you all thinking about Warren Buffett is rich. I tell you, according to the rest of the world, we're all rich. We're all very rich. And you have the ability to produce more. Put into perspective, if you're 25 years old and you took $400 a month and put it into an investment fund, some kind of like an index fund or something of that sort, uh, SPY, S&P, or even a Vanguard trust fund that averages 15% return, you put that in at age 25, $400 a month. This year, it did 21%, even with COVID. And it usually, the last 10 years, it averages 15% every year. You put that in $400 every month. By the time you're 60, you will almost have a million dollars. But none of us want to do the work today for what we want tomorrow. I just want what I want now. Okay, you can sacrifice your tomorrow for today. But sometimes it's, it's steady accumulation that produces wealth. Some of y'all, you started a business and you gave up because it didn't give you the turns you wanted right away. But can I tell you, sometimes starting businesses looks like this on a graph. It's about not giving up. It's being consistent. So when you're looking at your retirement, when you're looking at putting things away, what are you going to do with what you have right now? See, the rich think a different way. For many, money is a pursuit. I just want to get this much. But for the rich, money is a tool. How can I use this to get what I ultimately need or where I want to go? This is a tool. This is a number. It's not something I'm pursuing. Well, once I get, then I can buy. Once I get, then I can buy. Once I do this, then I can get this. And then what do you have? Something that fades away. For the rich, money is a tool. 
they see how they can get where they want to go by what they have right now. You don't need much to start right now. Well, when I have $50, then I'll, then I'll put it into something. When I make over $500 a month, then I'll start putting away for retirement. Then I'll start investing. Then I'll start doing all this. If you're not doing it now, you're not going to do it tomorrow. Because you will always find something that you want right now that weighs more than what you want in the future. Because you see it. It's a natural tendency. But what we do is we think, well, if I'm making $50 a week, then I can give $5 to the church and maybe $5 to someone else uh, trying to help other people around me. Well, then when I make $500 a week, well, that would be $50 to the church. I could do that. I could give, well, what about when you make $5,000 a week and you're giving $500 to the church every week and then $500 to people just going above and beyond? Maybe you're going above and beyond in your church. Maybe you're going above and beyond in, in, in the city. What about when you're making $10,000 a week? You gotta, you're given $1,000. Who would be able to do that? I mean, if you're not doing it with what you have now, you're not going to do it with what you have in the future. Because you will never have what you want because lack is a mindset, not a reality. It's a mindset and not a reality. And I want to share with you one of my favorite scriptures on, on, on what it means to, to start today rather than wait for tomorrow. Uh, it's one of my favorite scriptures, and it's found in Ecclesiastes 11, verse 1. It says this, Ship your grain across the sea. After many days, you will receive a return. Invest in seven ventures. Yes, King James says, yay, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Well, duh. And this is, a, this is the main verse here, right here. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. You know what that's saying? That if you consider your situation too much, you're never going to do what you need to do to get where you want to be tomorrow. Well, I got this thing that's coming up. You will always find something more urgent to do today that will, in the end, make you sacrifice tomorrow. What are you doing right now? What are you doing right now to prepare yourself for the future? If you're young, you know what? There's this great thing called compound interest. Start young. Because <laughs> it adds up over time. If you're old, hey, there's no point in, in waiting and while it's too far gone. What are you doing today? What are you doing right now? to prepare yourself for tomorrow. And I want to share with you just a few more verses. You can stand to your feet and uh, we'll be closing here. What it means to, to give joyfully, what it means to be a generous person. Because uh, what I feel like in the church is we've distorted wealth and we've turned it into this thing that is, that is evil, that is wrong. But it's all in the, the hand of who holds it. It can be a great tool. It can be a great destruction. So as a church, I feel like it's time that we learn how to use money. We learn how to use it in an appropriate way. That we don't throw it to things that are fleeting or we don't. We actually get the resources to be able to make an impact in this city. And I hope that God makes all grace abound to you so that you may abound in every good work. We're going to be talking more about that next week. But for right now, I want to go and I want to close with Luke 19, verse 13. This is a story of the 10 minus. What, what Jesus did is he told a parable of 
he went, a king went away and he, he gave each one a minus. It was a coin, basically, and says, put it to use. I'm going to be back and I'm going to ask for it. Well, one person turned one into ten. One person turned one into five, one into two. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a little. You'd be faithful with much. And then he goes to the one that had the one, kept the one, buried the one, and gave it back and said, here, I gave you what is yours. And Jesus takes from the one and gives it to the one with ten. That in essence, is the poorer getting poorer and the rich getting richer. It's in the Bible. That very thing is in the Bible. The kingdom of God took from the person who had very little and gave to the person who had much because they were faithful with what they had. They were faithful. What do you have that God is asking you to put to work? Don't despise it, whether it's a little or a lot. A lot to you may be a little to someone else. A little to you may be a lot to someone else. What has God given you that he's asking you to put to work? So this is how the story goes. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minus. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. Say this out loud. Say, put it to work. Say it with some conviction. Say, put it to work. Put it to work. What are you doing right now with what you have? Understand it is being faithful in the little with the little that leads to being entrusted with more. Now, I don't do this. I don't have this mindset, well, I'm just going to try to use what I have to get more from God. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about not forsaking what you have and the difference it can make right now. And this is the last verse I'll share with you. Luke 16, verse 10 says this, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you the property of your own? I gave this money to someone. I said, I'll need it. And he gave it joyfully, not reluctantly or under compulsion, because he knew I was going to ask for it. And I want to share, keep that verse up there. It says this, you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property. Today, I want to give you something. Under various amounts of seats in this room, there's money. Some have it, some don't. Look under your seat. There's money under your seat. It's, it's different. Yeah, look under your seat. There's some money under there. Some of them have money, some of them don't. You'll feel it taped to the bottom. When you find something, lift it up. Lift it up. How much is that? $10. What do you have there? $10 also. What do we have here? We got a 20. What's that? We got a $100 bill here. What do we have in the back? A $100 bill. Okay, what do we have? tens, twenties. Hey, if you got, if you got money, great. If you didn't money, you didn't get money, just hold on. Just listen. This is what I want you to do with it. I'm trusting you with this property. I'm trusting you with this money. You cannot use it on yourself, but you have to go out into the world and do something for someone else. Whether that's pay for the drink for the person behind you, whether that's buy someone's groceries, whether that's take care of someone. Maybe the Holy Spirit just told you, I know someone who needs this money. Go ahead and give it to them. If the Holy Spirit told you, give this money to them, by all means, go ahead. But don't use it on yourself. 
because I have blessed you to bless someone else. I want you to get that today because if you can't be trusted with worldly, how can you be trusted with more? And if you didn't get money, you have something still to give. And this is what I want you to do. Everyone lift up your money. Show me the money. Show me the money. Say that out loud. Say, show me the money. Oh, come on. Say, show me the money. Hey, this is what I want you to do. Whether you got money or not, go out into the world this week. Make a difference for someone. The Holy Spirit will say, I want you to pay for that person's groceries. I want you to help that person with the flat tire. Maybe they need money for that tire. I want you to help someone. And when you do, when you do, I want you to email the church at hello, hello at mycitychurch.cc. And I want to hear about it. I want to hear what God did with what you have. And I want to come back next week being able to share, celebrate. So whatever you have and whatever you do, be a blessing to someone else today. Amen. Amen. God uses money to test our hearts. So whatever you have, use it for the glory of God. My kids, I gave them money. You should have seen the look on the face when they bought a present for someone else and they ran up to him and they said, here you go. And oh, I love Minecraft. That's what he likes, Minecraft. He, I love Minecraft. And the look on my kid's face when they gave something that they never bought brought joy to them and to another person. That's the heart of God today. So let's reflect the heart of God in this church this morning. Let me pray for you really quick. God, I thank you for the people of my city church. God, I thank you that you have blessed us. I pray that you would open up our eyes to see whether we feel like we have one or we feel like we have 10. God, I pray that we would be faithful with whatever we have and whatever we do. We would do it all for your glory. Let us not despise what you've given us or despise the small beginnings, God, but we would see that you are asking us to be faithful with what in our eyes is small, but in your eyes is so much. And I pray that as your church, whether it's $10, whether it's $100, God, whether it's someone that didn't get anything at all, help us to be faithful with what you've given us to make a difference in this city, God. Go before us. I pray for divine appointments. I pray that you would open our eyes to see the needs in and around this city, God, and you would help your church to be an answer and be the solution. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Come on, let's worship this morning. Thank you so much for listening today. And we want to give a special thank you to those that give so generously to My City Church. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you would like to give today, please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.